Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from John chapter 1, verses 29 through 33. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him, John, and declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Man, that was pretty good. (laughs) Like that guy has been around the Bible before. I like that. It's really good to have my mom and dad here. That's, That's my dad. That's my mom sitting right there. So it's really good to have them here. Yes, thank you. You know, that last song that we sang, some of you will recognize, it's, it's a fairly old song. And the lyrics, man, something about that name, it's something about it that reminds you of the fragrance after the rain, right? And some of you sing that song and it grabs, it just grabs you around the throat. Like, oh, yes. There are other people in the room who say, there are people singing that song like really uh, hard and emotionally and I wish I could. There, there are some people in the room who are absolutely and perfectly open to singing that song and, and have their eyes well up with tears. But for whatever reason, they're just not there right now. And then there are a few people in the room who are like, why are we singing this song? I I don't, maybe you walked in not even sure what to make of this Jesus. And you have for so long been unsure what to make of this Jesus that you're really not making anything of him. And here's what I would say to you. Welcome. Welcome. To all three groups, I would say, welcome. You, you have found your way into a sanctuary and amongst people, amongst uh, church people who are going to be for the next year pursuing this Jesus character, trying to figure out what is meant by this word, this name, this label, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. How is it that we are supposed to think of this Jesus? Like, what does it mean? And how do people sing that song and then have tears well up in their eyes? And can I get some of that? That's what this year is about. For those of you who want to sing 
that song that way, but also for those of you who want to want to sing that song that way. And hopefully today, as, in, as is the case with every Sunday, will be a step in that direction. Jesus comes uh, to us with a question that he had for people who came looking for him in John chapter one. And so let me just sort of offer it up to us as something that might function as something of a a subtitle for the whole series, right? What are you looking for? John the Baptist sees Jesus walking by, identifies him as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, has, has so much else to say about him, so many good things that his own disciples seem to then say, okay, well, if, if that's the guy, John, no offense, but we're going to go follow him. And so they walk up to Jesus, and Jesus receives them as he receives you and me today and asks a very simple and yet stunning and profound sort of question. Are you ready for it? It's coming to you right now. As it has to do with Jesus, what, what are you looking for? What are you in this for? What do you need or want or believe? Jesus to be, what are you looking for? Because, as we all know, what it is that you intend to see, what you are looking for, actually impacts what you can see. Right? Are, are you familiar with the concept of, let me see if we get this go. All right. Oh, yeah, there we go. Are you familiar with optical illusions? If I tell you that's a rabbit, guess what you're going to see? Rabbit. If I tell you that's a duck, uh, you're going to see. So what you intend to see impacts what you're going to see. If I tell you this is a sea lion, right? Some of you are going, what? It's a, well, sure enough, it is a sea lion. But if I tell you it's a, I think a donkey's head, right? Or you've seen this one, it's either a woman's face or someone playing the saxophone. Have you, have you seen that one before? Right? Now, there are, there are psychological discussions we can have about this, but I want to bring them to your attention to say this to you. What you intend to see shapes what you see. When Jesus asks you, what are you looking for? He's trying to kind of suss out what it is that you intend to see. Perhaps then so that he can say, well, it's, it's something better or something more or something different from that. And, and friends, that is important because our culture offers us all kinds of imagery where this Jesus is concerned. And I would submit to you that it's not all helpful and all God's people said. I mean, these are not helpful images. Gun-bearing Jesus does not point you in the right direction. Musclehead Jesus, as compelling as that is, does not point you in the right direction. Buddy Jesus, it's cool. (laughs) Buddy Jesus is very cool. But doesn't necessarily point you in the right direction. The problem is, when Jesus asks the culture at large, what are you looking for? Specifically as it has to do with Jesus, some are quick to look for gun-toting Jesus or muscle-head Jesus or buddy Jesus. And if that's what you're looking for, then we all have the human tendency to find what we intend to see. 
and sometimes it, it happens honestly, and maybe even through painful experience. If you have been bitten by three different dogs, all dogs bite. And the next time you see a dog, no matter what that dog is doing, it is, it is acting in a way that is ultimately going to be dangerous to you. <laughs> Sometimes it happens to school teachers. I I'm, I'm not going to say that I uh, have any firsthand evidence. I don't, it's not like I've heard this from the teacher that I live with, right? But if, if a kid comes into the room and the prior year's teacher says, that kid is Satan incarnate. then it's gonna go, it's gonna so shape your perspective that even some of the things that that kid might do that should go into the perfectly and completely innocent category, because you're looking for evidence, you will make some things evidence that perhaps shouldn't be evidence. Saturday Night Live has had a lot of fun with this character for a long time. There's the young man who's completely convinced that the young woman has great interest in him, and despite all the evidence to the contrary, everything she does, he's able to retranslate as, yep, sure enough, there it is, she can't get enough of me. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? Because the preconceived ideas that you and I have about Jesus shape what we can then see and appreciate about Jesus. Here's what I hope for me this year, is that I can loosen my grip where my preconceived ideas are concerned in the hopes that I might catch a glimpse of Jesus that I may never have gotten before. Anybody else interested in anything like that? Leslie Newbegin was a missionary, but also a commentator on culture, and, and he says this. Listen, y'all, Jesus is who he is. And though our perceptions of him will be shaped by our own situation and the mental information we have received from our culture, our need is to see him as he truly is. Now, that's a mouthful, right? Because somebody has to then define what that means, to see him as he truly is. And what do you do? The people of God refer then back to Scripture, other sources too, but the people of God then refer back to Scripture. And if we're going to refer back to Scripture, boy, Scripture has a mouthful. For example, at the beginning of the chapter that we're looking at today, John says, in the beginning was the Word, meaning Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John just like explodes our minds as it has to do with Jesus. Friends, is your Jesus that big? Is your Jesus that big? Goes on to say, he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, Jesus, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, all of life, capital L, and the life was the light of all people. Is your Jesus that big, that cosmic, that universe-shaping? But also, John wants to say, it's not just that, but also Jesus is small enough to be a neighbor because this is what happens next. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory is of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Friends, is your Jesus, I've already asked you if your Jesus was big enough, now I'm asking you if you understand Jesus to be close enough big and nearby, unless you have a different box for Jesus. 
John the Baptist is, is trying to help us here too. Skipping back to verse six in chapter one, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. And, and then John the Baptist says to us, we've already heard this read today. The next day, he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away, by the way, this is important, that you, the word lamb is here and not bull or goat. And it's important that it says here, sin, the sin of the world and not the laundry list of sins of the world. Let me see if I can explain why. As we are going to try to come to a clearer picture of who this Jesus is and the ramifications of the coming of Christ, the incarnation, there is a lot for us to hear here. In referring to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John here is trying to direct your attention back to the Exodus. Remember, what you intend to see shapes what you see. John knows that. So John is helping you to intend to see a connection to the Exodus event. If you're not aware of what I'm talking about, it's a story in the Old Testament. The people of God, the Hebrew people, were under the thumb of Pharaoh. They were in captivity. They were slaves. And then in the Exodus event, if you remember, the blood of the lamb was spread over the, the doorposts and the door frames. And finally, when God moves close enough to really make these changes, the firstborn of every other family is taken, except for these households where this blood was put over the, the door frames. This finally accomplishes liberation for God's people. Liberation from captivity. When John uses this terminology and this phraseology, here's what John is trying to say. Remember the Exodus story? When the lamb eventually resulted in liberation from captivity, this Jesus too is the lamb that will result in freedom from captivity. From, from what? Well, if we're going to listen to Paul, we're going to hear Paul say something like this. This Jesus, this lamb, who's doing another Exodus thing, God is doing another Exodus thing in and through Jesus, accomplishes our liberation from sin, the inevitability of sin, but also slavery of the fear of death. This Jesus does another sort of liberating thing just like you saw before in the Exodus, this gives you a way, a lens through which to see and understand the ramifications of Jesus. Does that help a little bit? This is, this is not the lamb that God would then slaughter just to make God feel better. This was the lamb whose blood helps affect change, liberation from captivity. And there's a lot of captivity to choose from out there. You ever known an addict? You ever known somebody addicted to their sense of nationalism? Have you ever known someone steeped in legalism? As you know, this is, these are some of my favorite targets. All the isms, all the isms are captivities. And we all know folks who are stuck, <laughs> hostage, prisoners, in various sorts of ways. There is a variety of different kinds of captivity to choose from, and perhaps all of us suffer from one kind or another today. What John is saying is, 
this Jesus is about freedom and liberation, no matter the source of your captivity. I'm, I'm gonna say that again because there should have been at least one amen, I'm mildly disappointed. How about this? Think first of the captivity you suffer today. This Jesus is meant to be a means of liberation from that captivity that you suffer today. And all God's people said. And some of you are like, man, I hope that's true. What if it's true? What, what if John is right? I believe he is, so what if this John is right? in proclaiming that this Jesus has the capacity to free you from your captivity. Hmm. John says, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. And I'm gonna read this next paragraph and I want you to uh, be listening for all the different ways that sight and vision and looking and seeing. Just check how many times you hear that referenced in here. It's almost as if John is saying, you will see what you're meant to see. You will see what you intend to see. And John is saying, no, there's, there's so much more to this Jesus if you have eyes to see it. John says, I myself didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit. We talked about this last week. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove at his baptism, and it remained on him. I myself, John says, I didn't know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Verse 35, the next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he, he exclaimed, look. And this week I got to where, as I read that verse over and over, the, with every successive time that I read it, I felt like it was addressed to me. Look, John, here is the Lamb of God. Now it gets personal, y'all. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, now what is it that you are looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Where will you remain? Where can we come and stick and stay with you because this is what disciples do. We've said this around here too. Disciples were those people who followed so closely behind the master that oftentimes the dust from his sandals would get on my clothes. This is the question they were asking. Where are you going to be? Because we want to be that close. We, we, have, we have so much to learn from you. You are teacher. And here was his response. Well, come and see. You know what on second thought? Maybe that is the better subtitle for the rest of the series. <laughs> come and see. Come and see. 
Now, seeing, as we already said, is tricky. And we know that we have a lot to say about what we end up seeing. Jesus knows that too. In saying to the disciples, and in saying to me, and in saying to each one of us, come and see, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, sometimes you can't really see things until you go get your hands involved. He's saying, come and participate with me. We know this. Educators know this. It's one thing to see it, but you learn it a whole different way if you can kind of get your hands involved and your whole body and life involved. Friends, Some of you have trouble seeing Jesus, and it's because you're not looking with your hands. You're looking only with your eyes. And sometimes you can't really see something until you are involved and participating. (laughs) When you stand at a distance with your cynicism fully engaged, you are in that moment unable, and maybe even unwilling to see how something like, let's say, a local church might still be the extension of the grace of God in the embodiment of this phrase, the body of Christ. Sometimes you don't know and you can't see how something will turn out until you actually get into the kitchen and work with all the ingredients. Or perhaps until or unless you go out into the streets and work with all parties Involved. Jesus is inviting you, cynic. Jesus is inviting you, someone who wishes he or she wasn't a cynic. Jesus is inviting you, someone who has some measure of doubt, but are completely and totally open to whatever is next. Jesus is inviting you, who has believed and believes with a fresh sort of belief and faith that you've had for 50 years. Jesus is inviting each one of us to come and see. Come and see. What do you say? Because Scripture tells us also, and experience tells us also, that you have the capacity and the freedom to say no. Now, some people will say no to the invitation to come and see. And then sometimes those same people will stand at a distance and say, I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't believe. My, my eyes don't tell me what I need to know. I think come and see may be some of the most important words in all of Scripture. But at the end of the day, you make those words important or not. Yes, it is the word who was with God and and was God. Yes, it is the word who has moved into the neighborhood. It is the cosmic God who is also neighbor God, who says, come and see. These words should, and I think they do, carry tremendous weight depending on how you respond to them. Well, how can I be sure? You can't. (laughs) If, If what you're waiting for is certainty, then you'll never do anything. Here's what I hope for. I hope to be the pastor who, in front of you, risks 
coming and seeing, going and seeing, so that I might, even if it's this much, inspire in you maybe a little bit of recklessness. Why don't you come and see? How's it going to turn out? Got no idea. What are the guarantees? None, zero. Do we get our money back? No, no. Will it be fun? I hope. Come and see. Come and see. But some people only see with their eyes, and here's what they're looking at. They're looking at screens. Sometimes it's the tiny one that you carry around with you on your phone. Sometimes it's the bigger one on your TV. Looking at screens, if you won't come and see, it's inevitable that you're going to be intimidated and intoxicated by all the other screens. And if you are intimidated and intoxicated by all the other screens, then at some point you may say to yourself, it's not working, Jesus. I'm out. I mean, I look around and there are so many things that are wrong. There are so many things that hurt. It's all broken. I haven't seen any evidence yet that you are fixing it. I don't know if I can do this. E. Stanley Jones, I, I'm, you're going to see a lot of E. Stanley Jones over the course of the next year. Uh, I found this one. So what you think. The early Christians didn't say in dismay, look what the world has come to, but in delight they said, look what has come into the world. Whoa. Now, racism is one of those things, right? Racism is one of those problems, and, and dependent on where you are in that conversation, you may feel like that there is reason to despair and things aren't getting better. When he was 24 years old, Martin Luther King uh, was looking for a job. And he was actually traveling around and preaching in different churches in the hopes that one of those churches would say, we know you're young, but we see something in you, whippersnapper. We think uh, you might be our guy. He went and preached at a church here in town. I even hesitate to say the name. It was Calvary Baptist. And he preached and apparently did really well. And they said, man, someday you're going to be great. Not for us, though. They turned down Martin Luther King Jr. He, he would go from there to Montgomery, Alabama, where he would dive headlong into this conflict that had to do with public transportation. He would come to befriend someone by the name of Rosa Parks. And you kind of know how that story would go. He would kind of go from place to place to place, itinerant preacher, joining these other protests, he did so much of that that a school teacher in Oklahoma City by the name of Clara Looper would write a play based on his life and experiences called Brother President. Brother President. This play, done by high school students, was done so well that these high school students were invited to come all the way to New York City to do this play in front of a huge, huge audience, and they did really well. And these students were so inspired by Martin Luther King, what they learned about Martin Luther King in the course of doing the play, that they came home and they started sitting in. They started protesting because Oklahoma City was not quite where New York City was at the time. May not be yet. 
And so there was this famous sit-in at Katz Drugstore. Clara Looper and high school students, many of whom were involved in the play, Brother President. This is a picture taken in August of 1958. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> and for years, I would get my kids up on Martin Luther King Day, set them down in front of the TV, and make them watch the I Have a Dream speech. And, and Brady, if you're not still having Taylor watch that speech, it's, it's a mistake. You need to have her watching that, that uh, speech. Gotta do it, y'all, gotta do it, gotta keep those words. The quotes of Martin Luther King, I'm telling you, they, they are inspirational to me, energy giving to me. Like just Here's just a couple. Jesus is not an impractical idealist. He is the practical realist. <laughs> he, Jesus, knew that the old eye-for-eye eye philosophy would leave everybody blind. He did not seek to overcome evil with evil. He overcame evil with good. Although crucified by hate, he responded with aggressive love. Here's another one. By opening our lives to God in Christ, we become new creatures. And this experience, which Jesus spoke of as the new birth, is essential, essential, if we are to be transformed nonconformists. To use language that we've used here today, essential if you're going to learn to see with your hands. Only through an inner spiritual transformation, do we gain the strength to fight vigorously the evils of the world in a humble and loving spirit? I wish Christians weren't cowards as often as they are. And here's what I mean by that. Please don't be offended. Unless you're a coward, then I don't want you to be offended so much as I just want you to be less cowardly, right? <laughs> here's, here's what I mean by that. I wish we believed. I, I wish we believed that Jesus is who Jesus says he is. I wish that we would avail ourselves to the transformational work that God wants to do with all of us, no matter where you are on the journey, across the spectrum, it doesn't matter where you are. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see that this lamb is still in the business of liberating captives. Come and see that this lamb is still in the business of calling disciples and partners. Come and see. Come join me, says Jesus, in the process of setting folks free and toppling their captors in the process. All right, John, what can I do? Well, in a second, what you need to do is take some nourishment in the form of the table. And then do something. Learn to see with your hands. Do, come and see. Some sight isn't possible until you get your hands involved. Okay, what do you want us to do? 
Well, I mean, you could come down and help us serve hot dogs at the parade tomorrow. Two o'clock tomorrow. John, I don't like it when you do commercials in your sermons. Tough. <laughs> tomorrow in front of the Civic Center. We will for the, I don't know, it's like the ninth or tenth year. For the ninth or tenth year, we'll be down there. We, we actually are the people, OKC First is the church that sets up the sound system and the judges station for the judges of the MLK Day Parade. Amen. And, and we're going to have a little hot dog stand. And we do really want you to come, but please don't come empty-handed. We really, really need you to bring bottles of water with you, if you will, because I don't even know if you know this, but we've had a budget crisis recently. And so if you could bring bottles of water, that would help out God and God's church quite a bit. So please come tomorrow at 2 o'clock. What will I do? You'll see with your hands. You might make a hot dog. You might shake a hand. You'll get to see a pretty cool parade. But you'll actually be there. Come and see. Come and see. If you are helping us today to set this table, go ahead and come on down. I want you to be there tomorrow, and if you are anything like me, this kind of sustaining moment will help you get there and stay there. So Heavenly Father, bless these elements. It's, it's bread and cup, Lord. But in your hands, it becomes something more. In your hands, God, we believe that you will grant us the capacity to see what we couldn't see otherwise, hear what we couldn't hear otherwise. God, bless these elements, and with them, sustain us, nourish us to be the people of God capable of seeing you and capable of seeing the way that you see. Lots of visitors today, so please hear me. Um, you are all invited to this ritual, but no one has to do this. All are invited, none are compelled. In a moment, you'll, you'll see that people will stand to their feet and exit their pews to the left, your left. And then they'll come forward and approach somebody holding a plate of broken pieces of matzah bread, actually. Please come with your hands cupped because what you're about to receive, you receive by grace. There's no other way to get it. You can't steal it, you can't buy it, you can't charge it. It comes to you as a gift. And as you get closer to the person holding the plate of bread, that person will take a piece, press it into your hands, and will say to you right then and there, and this is stunning, y'all, listen to this. That person will say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Then take that piece of bread, dip it into the cup. When you do, the person holding the cup will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you, and then take and eat. And then if you would, find a place to pray. Well, what am I supposed to pray? Anything you want. If you come to one of these side padded altars, we will assume that you are there for a prayer for healing, and somebody will meet you there, anoint you with oil, to remind you of the companionship of God, the God of healing, and it can be anything, physical, mental, emotional, physical, uh, relational, or familial. We'll meet you there and pray that prayer. If you come to one of these mourner's benches up here, we're not gonna ask you necessarily why you're praying, but at some point, probably me, I'll come by and just put my hand on you so that you know that you're not alone because you're not. Or you can circle right back around and pray at your pew 
And this is what I hope that you'll pray. God, I want to come and see. Or, God, I wish I wanted to come and see. (laughs) Or, God, I would love to see more. How might I see more? Am I eligible to come? Well, all of you who know that you need grace, and that would include your pastor, are eligible to come. If you know you need this grace, you're eligible to come. If you decide that you're not quite ready for something quite this this public and and shared, you need something a, a little bit safer than the two back there in the back. Thank you guys for being back there. They are serving pre-packaged sorts of things uh, uh, with, with masks on, and that is always going to be available to you as well. It works just the same. Maybe you want to take a special trip down here and stick your fingers in this bowl of water meant to help you remember the moment of your baptism when you were in the most official of ways included in this movement, this people with a purpose and a calling Come and see. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread and blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you and every single time you eat of it, including today, remember Jesus, remember me. In the same way, he would take the cup, hold it up before them and say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant And every time you drink of it, including today, remember me, says Jesus. Come and see. Come and see. All around the sanctuary now, if you would, stand to your feet. Exit your pews to the left, all who would at least. And come with your hands cupped to receive these gifts of God meant to nourish and sustain the people of God.
going to offer a brief prayer of confession before turning it over for prayers of intercession to Brit. And we will end then with the Lord's Prayer. But during these moments of prayer, the altars are open. And if you would like to make your way down to one of these altars, you will be met there. Heavenly Father, we do confess that sometimes in our cynicism, we have the capacity to mouth the words, even mouth the, the, the name Jesus without it ever really reaching us. We confess, Lord, that sometimes we are in fact intimidated by what we see on the screens, the small ones and the larger ones. We confess that sometimes we are intimidated out of a yes to your invitation to come and see. Now, as I get out of the way, I want you to pray your own prayer of confession. What would you say now in these moments to the God in Christ? And picture it, if you would, whose hands are extended to you, who says to you, calling you by name, come and see. Pray your prayer now as a confession. as we move from confession to intercession. May the Almighty God have mercy on all of us and forgive us our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us. Won't you pray for a moment for those who are struggling in your life this week? with us this week as we get our hands dirty as we work alongside Jesus in the work of the kingdom God I'm thinking especially of those opportunities this week tomorrow at the Martin Luther King J Jr. silent march and parade of kids club after school program that starts back this week on Tuesday of our hope box food pantry every Friday afternoon. God, I pray that you would inspire us to get our hands and feet and hearts involved in this transformative work of the kingdom. That we would be a part of your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. And we'll close with the Lord's Prayer. And if you don't know it, the words will be on the screen. Um, but won't you pray with me this morning? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 